0: Hello, and welcome to the Conquering Columbus podcast. I'm Mike. We got Josh over here, and uh, Tim is currently MIA, picking up someone from the airport. But uh, we're excited to bring this week's episode to you. Josh, how's your day going?
1: It's going pretty good, dude. I know uh, Columbus, we had, um, what what kind of conference we had yesterday, right?
0: Yeah, Governor DeWine came up, started talking about asking people, really make sure you're wearing masks. I mean, it's important, right? We're seeing a rise in case counts. And something he pointed out, I mean, I saw it on Twitter today, Uh, he was, he was, pointing out that, you know, a month ago or maybe even less than a month ago, Florida was exactly where we're at in terms of case counts. So it can happen quickly. Um, So do everything you can, wear masks if you're going to go out and, you know, do your best to social distance wherever you're at. I think it's really important that that we do the things we can to prevent another lockdown Uh, selfishly. I'm supposed to get married in September. So I would prefer that we don't have to do that in masks or, you know, not just in masks, but I'd like to have everybody there if I could
1: yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens next week. I know we got another conference coming up. Some people think that this one was just a primer for uh, more drastic measures next time. So I mean, I, I think whatever happens is you know what we got to go through and and make sure that everybody's staying safe, but it is difficult times. But on on, on a letter note, um, our guest this week, debbie was it was a lot of fun. And hearing about her story and how she grew throughout the salon and what the brand has turned into and what it' was like when she took a leadership role, um, you know, compiling all that together is, a pretty fun time to listen to her uh, take us to that journey.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more to salons and spas than you would think of. And, and again, like Josh said, our guest this week, Debbie Penzone. She's the CEO and president of Penzone Salons and Spas. And uh, I think you guys will find the episode really interesting. Uh, Debbie was great to talk to, and she had a lot of great advice and a great story. So, with that, hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and we'll be right back. This is Conquering Columbus falling the air and I fell 450 feet through the air before I slammed
1: into the mountain the first time. Hey there, Conquerors. Today on the show, we have... Cameron Mitchell of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today, and that goal stays the same 24-7, 365.
0: Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable,
2: on board, I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers, and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places where people haven't before.
1: Greg Odin. Push yourself. You know, we hear about a lot of people who in the times that they've struggled and pushing themselves the most is when they figure it out the most about themselves.
0: Donato's Jane Abel.
3: We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community and I believe in our product but more importantly I believe in our people.
0: The Ohio State University President Dr. Michael Drake.
1: When you really take yourself to your limit and then push yourself to do your very best.
0: Pelotonia CEO Doug Ullman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus and that's awesome. At the same time there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. White Castle CEO Lisa Ingram.
1: This human being I think we really like stability and doing things the same, but everybody knows you don't really grow. And so the other great thing about human beings is we want to learn new things.
0: Urban Meyer.
2: There's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace this comfort. I love how you said that, live uncomfortably. This is Conquering Columbus.
0: Welcome to the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is Mike here. We've got Tim and Josh sitting over there, so you guys know the deal. We'll be interviewing another leader from around the city of Columbus. And today on the show, joining us is Debbie Penzone. And Debbie is the president and CEO of Penzone Salon and Spas, where she has worked for over 28 years and she has received numerous awards, including the YWCA's Women of Achievement Award, as well as being recognized as a 40 under 40 from Columbus Business First. In 2014, Debbie received the Columbus Smart 50 Award from Smart Business Magazine, recognizing the top 50 smart executives in central Ohio. And we're really excited to have Debbie on the show today to learn more about her story and Penn Zone, Salon, and Spas. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Debbie.
2: Wow. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here.
0: Yeah, we're excited to have you as well, you know, and, and one of the first places, you know, we always like to start is just give us a little background on yourself, your story, kind of any highlights from all the way to growing up to where you got to today.
2: Yeah, um, you know, I'm a small town girl. So I grew up in Springfield, Ohio, which was a, you know, beautiful small town. And I had a, a family of seven. So I had five brothers and a sister and my grandma lived with us uh, for many years. So it was really cool. There's nine of us in one house. And um, you know, I learned a lot of my life lessons I think just growing up in a big family, how to share your toys <laughs> and how to really I got a great work ethic. Um we had a Miller paper out so when you got double digits, 10, you took over the paper route. So that was a great learning experience for me as um, a younger girl growing up and learning not only to deliver the papers and, you know, you had to be there, but um, but also when we went to collect the, um, you know, to go around and, and do the collection, that was uh, really good for, you know, service industry. I think, you know, the nicer you were, wherever you asked them where they wanted the paper and you made sure it was there, you know they would tip you with that. So that was always kind of cool to be able to, um, you know, learn that, you know, hard work, you know, does pay off and learn customer service, I think, right. And right. As as a young girl was very important for me. And then just growing up with that family, um, that, you know, that work ethic was there and, uh, I was always very competitive. And, you know, some people, they look at me now in the beauty industry would think definitely I wasn't a tomboy, but I was, <laughs> you know, growing up with the five brothers and, uh, we are very competitive, very athletic family. So, Always uh, felt very, you know, fortunate to have that, you know, in my family as well. Um, And my dad, I think, you know, back to my mom and dad, I was lucky. My dad lost his dad at 13. He has a family of five. So my grandma, Julia O'Neill Miller, she was an Irish woman and very feisty. She kept the family together and she worked about three jobs just to do that. And so hearing stories about her from my dad was very empowering growing up as well. And um, and he didn't, you know, I think he really shared stories of, you know, I didn't know what it was like to be a dad because at a young age, I lost my dad. So uh, just so fortunate to have a mom and dad that really were there for us. Like he didn't wanna miss any sporting events. He wanted to be there, he coached everything. He did little league coaching and uh, was there for us. And then my mom, of course, was an, an amazing homemaker. It was her, you know, number one thing. She grew up in a family that was uh, very uh, abusive. And so she did not want to go down that route. And uh, also, you know, her dad was an alcoholic, so she never drank her whole life. And I learned some great lessons from her because, you know, her family turned out different. So, um, but she chose that route and also was a night nurse. So uh, I just felt so fortunate to grow up in, in a home and those parents that showed us those lessons that they lived and I, I think that really, truly helped me to be who I am today. I don't forget about where I came from. And my dad would always tell stories about a penny from my grandma because she would count the pennies to go buy milk or whatever it would be. And to this day, I still find lucky pennies um, and think of that those stories that, you know, don't take for granted the value of a penny and working hard to get it. So that, you know, kind of growing up like that, I felt really lucky and fortunate um, and, you know, always did beauty. So... From a young age, you can ask anybody in my family. I do makeovers, of course, summer parties. I'd cut Gene McCarthy's hair. I'd give people bangs. I permed my brother Tim's hair, which is a great story that he still gets harassed about because I was in the eighth grade and he was a sophomore in high school. We were
1: hoping that you're going to give Mike one while you're here. He came ready. (laughs) Is that that not happening?
2: (laughs) No, I can definitely do that. (laughs)
0: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pass on that one I don't (laughs) think Shannon would be very happy with me When I got back home with a perm
2: (laughs) I could do a little body perm That's what I talked him into A body perm so I could feather his hair
0: Oh, Uh, I thought thought a body (laughs) perm was going a very different direction
1: The feather sounds nice, though. I think you could go good with the feather.
0: You, you know what, Josh? Why don't we let you go with the feather? You can do the. Uh... Well,
1: I mean, we could beauty me, but I'm already so beautiful. Oh, gotcha. I don't know. I don't want to, you know, set false expectations. Right, so. right, right.
0: No, it makes sense.
1: Well, uh... so are you, are you? Are you? Are you in the age of the siblings? Are you youngest, middle? How do you fall? I
2: have two younger brothers.
1: Okay, two younger brothers. So then, four older siblings. Then, right? Yes. Yeah. Wow, that is a big family.
2: Yeah, it is.
1: So as you're growing up Mm -hmm. and you're going through that environment, did you ever sit back and think, you know, I want to eventually be doing my own thing or running a business? Did you aspire to um, do something business related or were you just kind of following your passions?
2: Yeah, I was very fortunate. My dad had his own business. So my dad uh, didn't have the opportunity to go to college. He became an insurance salesman. And so he'd tell us these stories about you know and going through the insurance classes, you know, becoming a financial planner, getting his CLU, all those um, challenges that he had to do where you had to take tests and you had to pass it. And he became, you know, very proud of that industry. And he was in the Prudential was who he worked for, and he became part of the million dollar club for Prudential. And um, he would win these awards, and um, you know, he never got the opportunity to go to college, but yet he took what he loved doing and really studied hard and, and and excelled in that industry. And, you know, he'd tell us stories about helping people save their money to be able to make their dreams come true. And he loved that whole financial planning, you know, um, planners, um, you know, situation where he could help somebody take all those dollars and save it for that first home or for them to send their kids to college. Um, So he always implanted that into us, Um, you know, it didn't matter what kind of um, education, if you had a passion for what you love to do, and you take it to the, to the highest level you can take it to and continue to educate yourself and learn all you can about that industry, you can be successful if you love it. And it's not work. His big thing, even my little nieces and nephews still say to this day, you know, grandpa always says, if you love what you do, you'll be successful. And if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And so that was, you know, always ingrained in me. So of course, when I said I want to go to cosmetology school, you know, they're like, well, yeah, that's all you do. And that seems like that's like your thing. So I, I, they supported me 100%. They never questioned me. Like now, nowadays I go to schools and talk to students and sometimes their parents just don't support them in our industry and they don't understand it. They don't think they can make money. They don't think it's a career and that's hard, you know, when you have something that you want to do if you don't have that support from your parents that that see you in that. So my dad never questioned it, you know, and then he always bragged about it afterwards. He'd brag about Debbie only had a $2,000 loan to go to cosmetology school, <laughs> that she didn't have to pay off or anything like that. And here she has a career now. So I, I felt, you know, really, um, you know, thinking back, just so fortunate that he and my mom both supported me in that role. Now, he never supported me. After I got out of high school, he's like, here's your car payment. I had a Chevette, a red Chevette. I said I had a red vet. Of course, when I was out, I'd tell everybody, I got a red vet. And I'd say, Chevette. And um, he was, I, I love that because he was like, this is your car payment. Here's your car insurance. You know, you're you're out of school now. It's up to you. So I never felt like they ever, I would never go to them. And I really wanted to work hard and do it myself. And, and I always felt that that was there to be proud of. And not to just be like, oh, my mom and dad will help me out if I do, if I need something. Uh, I live with four girls at the beginning right out of cosmetology school. So Columbus was a big city for me when I came here from high school. I was like, oh, my God, they locked their doors because we didn't do that in, in Springfield. You know, we did not lock our doors or feel like it was a big city. Um, so it was, you know, real struggle when I first got started in the industry because, you know, just getting started and living in Columbus was expensive compared to Springfield.
0: So how did you end up at Penzone?
2: Great story. And I'm so glad I get to share this story because so often I think our dreams are taken away from us and we don't even know about. So I went to Ohio State School Cosmetology and they still let me share this story, which is pretty amazing. So I go out to schools and talk to students and young women because I think it's important, and men too. But I always wanted to go to Charles Penzone. I mean, that was like my dream. And in, in cosmetology school, cause I kept seeing what they were doing. They had these really edgy ads and I was, a, I wanted to be a big city girl. You know, I was not going back to Springfield, <laughs> you know, and, um, and they were, you know, looked at as the best in Columbus to work for. So I told one of my instructors that I wanted to go interview for a job. And in front of a couple other girls, she said, Debbie, you are a small town girl. You would not fit in there. I, I can't even see them hiring you. You know, I would really recommend you go to a smaller salon that can really help you. And I didn't even go interview at Penzone. I went to a small salon called Tangles on Bethel Road. And it was up by, it was a really hot area. Now Bethel Road was, we're talking a couple of years ago, but so I went to the small salon called Tangles, where I worked as an apprentice with Marilyn De Palma. And I had no idea that she used to work at Penzones. She worked for Penzones. Follow me on this story. It's, it's, a, it's a twister. She got married and moved to Sri Lanka. And then within three years, she got divorced and moved back here to Columbus and wanted to come back to Penn Zones. She called up Chuck and said, hey, I'm back. I want to come to work. And he said, well, there's no opening right now for any chairs. You know, work somewhere and let me know. I'll let you know exactly when a chair is open and you can come back, Marilyn. We'd love to have you back. And so that little window of six months is when she worked at Tangles and I was her assistant. And she, I mean, I'll never forget, she took me to lunch and said, I have an interview for you at Penn Zones. I didn't know she ever worked there. I had no idea. So I was so emotional and I started crying, of course, because I couldn't even imagine even getting an interview there. And she was my first real mo- role model as a mentor for me as a young girl. And she just said, yeah, you have to believe in yourself. Don't care what anybody says about you. You're good and you're smart and you got this. But she said, I didn't get you a job, so you got to go earn it. And make them see that in you, because I see it in you. So she got me an interview. And I think from all of that, I just never took for granted a day working there, or the education, or that career path for me. And then my, I was just like, my attention was just raised more by like, when people would throw opinions at you about yourself on you, and I'd be like, no, that's not me. I'm not that. You know, and, and I would started, I think, you know, just finding my voice and standing up for myself more. Um, you know, in this big city of Columbus, because when you move over from a small town, you kind of still feel like that small town girl, you know? Um, and it's crazy when you think about that. I would have probably, I don't know where my career path would have went. That salon's no longer there. You look back at destiny and think, wow, those one person can change your whole destiny or that one moment or that one situation that you get into, It happened all for the right reasons for me, I believe, just because of that made me not take anything for granted then.
0: Our first sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level. And Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you.
1: So as you, as you moved into the organization, you started to move up and take additional responsibility. What did your path look like? How did everything begin to unfold? And were you continuously focused on how can I hit that next rung? Or again, going back to kind of what you talked about and why you even chose beauty in the first place, Were you just following your passion and enjoying the moment and seeing what happened?
2: I think there's just a couple things that when I was a teenager, I did have eczema and a skin disorder. And I think sixth, seventh and eighth grade were really hard for me. And I get made fun of a lot because of the rashes, which is so crazy to think about. But it happened. And it was the first time I didn't really feel beautiful and mean words and bullying and stuff like that I went through. And then I got out of it in high school. Um, I didn't, you know, we got some, you know, of course, some medication for it. It wasn't that bad anymore, but I never forgot about that. So I think now in the beauty industry, when I started, I didn't have judgment of people. I didn't look at people and say, you're beautiful or you're not, or you're not good enough for me, or you're this or you're that, because I'd been through that hurtful time for me. Like, I would have a teen in my chair and I didn't care if she had acne all over. You know, I'd try to make her feel good. I would not judge anything like that from the outer shell of that person um, and, and really try to get to know that person and make them feel beautiful no matter what their beauty is, because that's what's beautiful about them. So I think that was something for me that, you know, really helped ground me as well. And then, I didn't feel comfortable at first. So my dad talked me into going to a Dale Carnegie course here in Columbus. And, you know, I was 21 years old and I did the course here 18 weeks. And that really helped me to talk to people and be okay standing up in front of people. Cause when you're young, sometimes you don't want to say something stupid and I was at the Dublin, you know, 161 and Riverside Drive. There was a salon there. So, of course, I didn't grow up around all that. So, you know, the women would come in and they would be all, you know, I'd be like, oh, my God, what do I say? I don't want to say something stupid. I don't want to act like, you know, the small town girl and say something that, you know. And I guess just how to hold a conversation with people. So I think that was a pivotal point in my career because I had to get in, up in front of a group of this whole 60 people. And a lot of them were business professionals from like AT&T, from like Chase Bank. You know, they got sent to go there to learn how to public speak. And here I was, Debbie, you know, at the time, Debbie Miller, you know, a hairdresser. And it was really empowering to be around people like that and feel like I could step up to that level and and be successful. And then it really helped me when I took it back into the company. And I really wanted to start doing training after that. So right away, I just said, I want to train. I want to help with the training department. So as a young stylist, I got involved in the training department and just, I found that to be my passion. I loved helping, you know, the younger hairdressers learn and grow. And it wasn't just with the haircut. I really started doing more communication skills and people skills.
0: So as you kind of moved up, you know. There are a
2: couple of different levels. So stylist, designer, uh, director, senior director, and creative director. So every, there are different levels you move up and every level. You have goals and different like retention, client retention, service average ticket, uh, percentage of retail. So we have all of these metrics, mm-hmm. and and so that. I was always kind of goal oriented anyways. I I love that kind of stuff that you'd give me so that's yeah, that I would lo- kind of determine your next next promotion. I love gamifying anything like that. Like if you <laughs> yeah. if you
3: have like a progress bar things like that, I'm yeah. a big fan. So at the beginning you mentioned you won an award 40 under 40 and I don't I'm not in any way okay. being cynical. What does that how does that happen? So as someone who's worked in I've I've worked in like media, yeah. advertising, yeah. content production yeah. for years yeah. and I always see people winning awards. Yeah. And a lot there's a lot there's a lot of jaded in that industry. And I and I have some friends that played professional sports and they'll talk about, you know, like the Pro Bowl if you follow sports at all, it's it's all voting. And yeah. so I've always wondered when I see these people with all these accolades on, on i just been getting into LinkedIn now that yeah. I'm, I'm working in industry. Yeah. How does that come about? Do you submit yourself for that? Is it like an Emmy where, yeah. you know, you pay a fee to enter? And well, then, I don't think so. Well, <laughs> I'm just curious. Well, and again, no, I'm like, not with, taking away from yeah, it anyway. No, no, no. Genuinely curious yeah. how, how that process works. You, know, one, you just do good work, people see it, and then you get it.
2: One was really amazing was the Women of Achievement for the YWCA. Mm-hmm. So that blew me away. Um, it was Ginger Young, who is the director of um, the Childhood League Center. Okay. So she nominated me. Nice. But she didn't just nominate me. She put together this whole thing about my life and what I've done. And she had all these people write in. I mean, it was a stack that when I finally got into the Women of Achievement, they give you that. That's awesome. And so Ginger had all these other organizations that I've done stuff with, like Dress for Success. I was on their board a long time ago. Um, You know, all these other organizations that, you know, the American Heart Association. I was the first chair for Go Red for Women about 20 years ago. Nice. Um, and then of course for the childhood league center, I was their president. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a center for special needs children, 200 women volunteer. And we, at the time we were raising $2 million to keep that school going for special needs kids. So, um, so it's amazing that, you know, for me, that nomination that came from the people and then organizations that I worked with. Yeah. And and I think for me, it's never been about, I can write a big check Mm -hmm. and that's great. And that's wonderful. But for me, I want to get hands-on. Mm-hmm. I want to make a difference in that organization, and I want to see what's happening. Another amazing was what I was on also was the Franklin Park Conservatory Women's Board. Nice. I chaired their Hat Day luncheon, which is you know you get all dressed up and pretty mm-hmm. and everything like that. But for me, the Growing to Green program was so amazing. So all that money from Hat Day, with everybody getting all dressed up, went to the Growing to Green program, and that was neighborhood gardens supporting inner city gardens. And we toured all these gardens. Everybody got on a bus and we went to see them. Mm-hmm. And and that day at Hat Day, I told a story because I thought it was so moving. For I wanted those women to know mm-hmm. why they got all dressed up today. And one of the little boys ran up and he couldn't stand it. He had to do it. It was just, I'll never forget. It was so ingrained in my mind. And right now I can see him running over to the garden and he pulled this carrot out of the dirt, out of the dirt. He could not stand it. He was so excited to show us It was a real carrot and you can eat it. And we grew it Mm -hmm. right here, you know? So uh, I love things like that I can get my hands on and I can see that all the dollars we're doing or raising for a fundraiser are really making a difference with those people's lives. And so with that nomination for the YWCA, I was so humbled. And then in my group, like, you know, Nancy Kramer was in my group, you know, these amazing women that were in my group that I was like, oh my God, you know, looking at what they did, you know, I just felt like, how can I be here? But when she showed, you know, when they show you that packet of those little things that all add up, years and years of it. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think it's like 25 years. I've been at Penn Zones 33 years. So I think it was like 25 years of stuff that I always started doing.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. And
2: it's not like you just get there. So Mm -hmm. I try to share that sometimes with people too, because it's like all the boards that you sit on or all the volunteer work that you do, All of that adds up. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Columbus Young Professional Group. I've done so much with Derek. I love going over there and volunteering and speaking and doing different things like that. So Mm -hmm. that's another organization that I've always felt like, you know, you do it and sometimes you don't know. But then afterwards, somebody might come up and say, God, I heard you talk and you really made a difference. And Mm -hmm. I thought of something I never would have thought of before. Yeah, that's awesome. So that one person matters, um, you know, to me, I think. Yeah, it's very admirable. It's yeah. easy
3: once you succeed to, to check yeah. out and just uh, walk yeah. away but to take the time to give back. That's, yeah. that's awesome.
2: But I know that one was a nomination. You know, sometimes marketing, you know, marketing agencies and mm-hmm. PR agencies that you're working with as a company will come to you and say, hey, we want to nominate you. Mm-hmm. Um, 40 under 40, though, I don't know if, I think somebody has to nominate you and then you submit all your stuff that you've done and they look at it. and they're I've always been, have been curious been just about so, that one.
3: It's because yeah, you see yeah. 30 under 30, 40, yeah. and 50. And I'm always like, yeah. Yeah. who makes yeah. these lists? You know, didn't know if you had some insight.
2: Yeah, we nominated. So I did nominate, you know, our CFO a couple years ago, Jim Herbeck. Mm-hmm. As uh, to be a, well, that's Leadership Columbus. That was another one that I think, you know, Leadership Columbus, you know, you submit your stuff that you want to become a part of this, you know, leadership program and they choose 60 people. Um, So that was, that's another program that I felt very proud to be a part of, but you did kind of have to go through a process. Mm -hmm. From us, there were 60 in my Leadership Columbus. It was 2007, Mm -hmm. 60 of us, um, 40 men and 20 women, and um, from all over the city, all nonprofits, all different kinds of business people that I would have never had the opportunity to talk to. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, we had a really cool session with Mayor Coleman and he was talking about the city and he, they showed this stuff of, Colum- of Columbus and they showed the stuff of Cleveland. Like we don't, we, we need green spaces. We need living downtown. We need, and this 2007, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it's so cool to think back to that now where all of that was ha- is happening now. That they really got us on that path. And we got to hear some really cool, um, you know, community Columbus partners that were helping downtown that I would have never been exposed to in my little bubble mm-hmm. at Penn Zone doing my work that I normally always do. So I feel that really changed me when I got out of just my role at Penn Zone and got into the community. Yeah, You know, important. when I worked with like Leadership Columbus or, you know, doing different things like with the Childhood League Center, the YWCA, I did tons of programs with them. And then that made me feel better because it wasn't anybody at Penn doing it. It was mm-hmm. me being able to do that because it's hard when you're married to the founder, you know. And I think for me too, growing up, my dad had his own business. Like I said, we had Miller Financial Services. So I worked in that family business all my life. But still, you're always like, okay, you're the daughter of the business owner. You know, so I always felt like I needed things outside of those circles that would make me feel proud that I earned it and did it on my own. And that really gave me courage to stand up and do other things. When I got out of the Penn zone, um, you know, that whole just our work that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And I really brought that back because the Childhood League Center is one that is a perfect example. I I was the president of 200 women that all volunteered. They were not getting paid, <laughs> not getting paid at all to raise money for the school and to see the passion of not only them, but the teachers. Diane was one of my teachers and she's still there teaching at the school. Now they're at Fort Hayes now. They moved over to Fort Hayes building. Um, And so many of the teachers from the Childhood League Center are still there right now because they had such passion for those special needs children and making that difference in their lives. And I brought that kind of stuff back to my team because it's like, hey, we need that same kind of passion. And I want more meaning for what we do here.
0: Our next sponsor is FMX. FMX is a computerized maintenance management system that helps organizations accelerate their operational success. And FMX enables you to streamline processes, increase asset productivity, and turn actionable insights into meaningful results. If you'd like to learn more, check them out at their website, gofmx.com. That's G-O-F-M-X dot the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is a local nonprofit that's committed to helping their partners build upon their strengths. They turn visions of what if into sustainable resources for the community.
1: So as we look at, you know, Penzone, what makes the brand special? And you mentioned, you know, Charles pushed the idea of a grand salon. What is a grand salon? So what makes a brand special? What is a grand salon? And maybe just talk about the Penzone brand in general.
2: The grand salon was done in 1991. So that was, and it's kind of a great story. I, I was very fortunate to do a podcast with him to share with our younger professionals because they didn't even know, half of them didn't know Chuck was a hairdresser. I'm like, oh my God. He started out as a hairdresser, you know, Italian, you know, went to cosmetology school um, and had a $500 loan from Huntington Bank, who's our bank today. So he started out with two people and $500 and a cosmetology license. And I think that was really important to tell that story of, you know, that's how he got started. He started with a $500 loan, a $500 loan from Huntington bank. What can you do with $500 uh, as well, far as a loan? 1969. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I missed that <laughs> so 1969 is a way, it was a while back. So 1969 is when he started, he incorporated, uh, just Charles Penzo and he'd worked for it with another guy and they had Charles Anthony and mm. then they just split up. And so he couldn't use Anthony, and then Anthony couldn't use Charles. So then he went with his name, Charles Penzone, to create his company. Nice. But it, it's kind of a cool story because, you know, Huntington Bank, it's just so cool to see 51 years later, they're still the bank, yeah. you know, there. But they, you know, that's kind of a neat story Columbus to share. Columbus guys, too. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of that. But the Grand Salon came out of a dark time. So in 1989, Chuck almost lost the entire company that he had worked so hard for, from 69 to 89. And he went back to college because he decided that he needed to be a college graduate. And he went to Otterbein and started taking classes in the evening. And he, there was a time period that he just took his eye off the business. He had a, a bookkeeper that he thought was doing a great job. And he didn't have a lot of checks and balances that he probably should have. And she went on vacation and within two weeks. Uh, he didn't know if he's going to have a company. And he, you know, thank goodness he had a great relationship with his bank. He had a great relationship with um, his law firm, Kegler Hill, Kegler Brown Hill Ritter. I think their names have changed a couple different times, but that's who they are now. Um, And so those two came in and really helped him pick it all up. But I think at that time it was, I don't know, I think she didn't embezzle it, but she was writing checks and putting stamps on them and filing them, but not paying anything. For like six months. So like the water was getting shut off, taxes. Like, and then, and then you think he was, you know, you thought you had all this money there, but no, all that money should have been spent to all those other bills. Like even one of his women that he worked with that sold products to us, she called and said, you haven't paid your bill in three months. Is something going on you need to know about? So it was a real awakening for him. And it was a good six months that he didn't think he'd have a company moving forward. And he had to sell everything. I mean, he sold everything that he had worked so hard for, you know, and at that moment, he didn't even think he'd have a company. And within that year that he put it kind of back together and was able to still operate the nine locations that he had, the bank was so impressed with that, that he came up with this idea in that darkness of this grand salon that would be this place where you would come and get everything done. And nobody had heard about a day spa or gift certificates back then in 91, and his mom, you know, and dad said, you know, you always said you want to have this little place that women could come and get all dolled up and then, you know, go out and be ready for the town. So it was a new idea in our industry that uh, really brought, you know, the Today Show Inside Edition, People Magazine, all those, all that people wanted to come and see because they couldn't believe Columbus and Ohio would have something like that. But the bank supported that dream 100% just because what he had done with that. So that was the big break, I think, for our company and then two years ago, when we rebranded and did a new concept, we moved to just Penzone, Salon and Spa. And he is kind of transitioning, and we really wanted to move to more of a modern, you know, brand. If you look at our marketing, it kind of changed overnight. We wanted it to be more us and all inclusive and more approachable. And more who we are, because I felt like the brand had gotten to this level, that people were detached, they didn't feel connected, they felt like they couldn't afford it, you know. Those things sometimes that you work for all those awards you get and you boast about them, but is it connecting to anybody and why are you boasting about all the awards, you know? It's, really yeah, it about, it's about the people.
3: Potentially do the opposite and it drive does. people away.
2: I think it did. And mm-hmm. we, did, we did a lot of focus groups, which, you know, those are brutal, and we listened to them. And we heard people all around the city. And what they thought of us. And and we basically looked at our teams. I don't want to be that anymore. I mean, it's, it's great that we've gotten here, but that's the first 51 years. Where are we going for the next 50? So it was great that Chuck was 100% like, do it, whatever you guys want to do, you know? And it wasn't easy because a lot of our team, they had this like professional image of Penn Zone, like we are this brand or we have to live this. We have branded wear stuff now, you know. We always had people with tattoos and stuff like that. But even when I would go to the schools and talk to new hires, you know, recruiting and stuff, they'd be like, oh, well, you can't wear tattoos at Penzone." Zone. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, you can. Why do you guys think that? Jason has tattoos all over his face. He does my hair, you know. But things, we got into this bracket where they didn't know us because they're not coming in to see us and they just saw an ad maybe or they just heard from people. So I think that was a real pivotal, you know, point in our brand, hopefully for the future is us really showing that real live, this is who we are, speaking it not only in the marketing, but really showing it in what we're doing every day. That was a long-winded question. I can really talk. (laughs) Is
1: he gonna answer that? Now could you even imagine when
2: I'm behind the chair, you know, that's what I had to do for 12 hours a day is talk.
0: Yeah, those classes worked, (laughs) it seems right. right. Hey there conquerors, we want to take a quick moment to talk about one of our sponsors, Studio 301. Kyle and his team have helped us redesign our website, taking the podcast in a new direction that we truly love. And we have some incredible guests here on the show. And Studio 301 has given us a website that reflects the caliber of the people that join us.
1: And the Studio 301 team can help you with everything from brand strategy and redesigns to market research, videography, social media overhauls, and a whole lot more. You can go check them out at studio301.org. That's studio301.org.
0: So talking about today... Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, what are you focused on as CEO and president? And I'm guessing that a lot of it will probably (sighs) have to do with current state of affairs with COVID-19. And I imagine that would have a pretty big impact on salon and spas. So can you talk a little more about that?
2: Yeah, just, you know, it's I'm sure so many of the businesses and entrepreneurs and all of us really 2020 was going to be the year we were having our best year ever in 51 years. I was so proud because I was so like we are doing it. And um you know then this hit and we were the first salon in the country to close voluntarily which was very we were so proud. I'm on a couple boards so I sit on the ISBN which is International Salon and Spa Business Network. It's a national board, global even. And um they didn't understand why we were closing. We had a couple of conventions coming up and everybody's still planning the convention. I'm like, no, 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 we're not there. You know, and I think it was our mayor. I mean, great to see the Arnold Classic when they closed. That was like, wow, something is going on here that we need to listen to and we need to pay attention to. So uh, we closed right after we heard, you know, Governor, you know, DeWine talk about the restaurants and the bars. Some of our locations, our new salon and spa concept, we have bars in them and we have food. And so we thought, wow, made a minute. That's kind of like what we do. And how can we social distance when we are right there that close with our guest? You know, that service, I know our service is inside and out. So we were kind of worried anyways, leading up to that announcement. And that next day, we just made the decision to voluntarily close that week. But we, we were so fortunate. We had a core team of four people that stayed with us to help keep it all together when we had to shut down because it was a big, big thing shutting everything down. And then, you know, uh, just keeping it alive and going and moving as we, you know, went through it. We thought at first just two weeks and then it went on. We are very fortunate in our company. We had paid vacations within our industry. Usually if you're a commission person, you don't get paid vacation. We have, um, so that was the first thing that we did with our team. Everybody can take their vacation right now. We're paying out vacation. And then we brought in um, a loan that Chuck and I did for each team member that they could do without interest, you know, $1,500 boom, you got it right now today, no questions asked. I think three years you could pay it off, whatever you needed to do. We didn't care. Um, so those little things right then I think really made our team feel good. And, uh, and then we started having zoom meetings that we would connect with them, you know, to figure out every step, you know, cause it was changing so fast too. Like, what are we going to do? How are we going to keep it going? Um, so that was, you know. Um, gosh, a good three or four weeks that the unknown was there. But we were still connected. I think this was really important, connected with our industry throughout the United States. So we have good friends in Atlanta, you know, salons all over the country. So we could follow them and hear and see what was going on in those different states too. And then a lot of with the ISBN, it's a lot of franchises. So they have to know what's going on everywhere. So trying to bring some of that information back with our team, just to give them a little bit of peace of mind because they were also worried. They didn't know you know, how could we ever open back up and and just with their families and their kids and homeschooling and all that, that they had to go through. Um, you know, we took the time, we, we started calling people and it was so amazing to personally talk to people and literally, because we're such people, people in our industry. I mean, we would just start crying or we would start telling stories. And um, so I think that it helped our team stay strong through it. Um, of course, now we're back, three weeks now we're back to work. The spa just came back this week. So they had two more weeks that they really, as a team, decided they wanted more training. And we were like, yeah, whatever you need, you take it. Um, Because, you know, we had gone this long, so we really wanted them to feel confident. Um, But, you know, here, you know, right now, looking back, um, it's just been an amazing process for us to go through that as a team together and It's sad because some of our, some of our people are out of the industry now. You know, they got other jobs at other great companies and they, maybe they just don't feel comfortable coming back to our industry right now. And, you know, it didn't happen with a lot of them, but a few of them that happened. And then we have a lot, you know, in our, in our salons, a lot of young moms with babies and stuff like that, or they might've, you know, pregnant and stuff like that. So we're still, you know, waiting to see what's going to go on with that. But we just wanted to make sure everybody was safe and felt comfortable So we're still at 50% capacity that we're working now. But we extended our hours in the morning and in the evening to be able to provide um, hours for everybody so that they didn't have to cut back their hours. So that was a big learning, you know, for all of them to have this teamwork together.
1: So as you look present day, you know, what are you guys focused on moving forward? What are the goals for the future? Do you ever see yourself getting back to 100%?
2: Oh, gosh, I hope so. (laughs) We have to. I mean, it's just so hard if you because we extended our hours But of course, the support team, the call center team, all the overhead people, we still have to pay extra. So those 23 hours we added in a week, we have all the overhead of all the support people that we never really had. So of course, we're going to try to get back to some kind of, you know, normal again, Um, hopefully, you know, but we do have the, we've done some things like the plexiglass that have, we might keep some of that for a while we're doing mask and mask. So, um, you know, the, our client, when they come in, they have to wear a mask and the shield. Some of them, they want that we're doing like a micro sure, which is a eco-friendly fogger that fogs. Everything It's supposed to kill 99.99% of coronavirus on contact. We're doing that every three weeks in the salons over everything. So, we hope that you know that would be what we're looking for you know gradually we're starting to walk down that and our team you know just being flexible with that our customers have been amazing they have helped us you know showed us you know you know what they need and how they feel safe now too because it's we have the space and not you know half the people in the salon so it feels real zen it feels it feels like what it should right now so we're not in a hurry thank goodness we can just walk one step at a time and gradually start getting back to that 100%. But I don't know when that will be, but at least hopefully 75%, you know, in the next couple months or so or you know see July and August what's going on. But we did, I mean, right now we had to move three salons. So our Short North salon is moved up to Arlington and Gahanna now. And then um our barbershop is still there but they're only at half capacity now too. And then German Village is still at half capacity there too. So yeah, we've been through a lot, haven't we? (laughs) Yeah, it's been a, uh,
0: you could say a busy couple months.
2: Yeah, I know.
0: But, uh, you know, Debbie, so as we kind of move towards some of the last questions of our show, I always want to ask, do you have any any advice for our listeners out there? And a lot of them are going to be entrepreneurs, young professionals, 25 to 35, just in case that helps.
2: Trying to find something that they truly do love to do. And I know it sounds like so cliche or whatever, but, or have a passion about. And even if it's not their full-time job, I think once they start to get a side hustle and they do something, get their hands in it and volunteer or kind of find a passion, even if it's a hobby, that those hobbies or those passions can turn into lifelong careers that you love and you never want to retire from. And I would just really encourage them. I did a great, um, I was in a young professional organization And we did a thing about um, how to find what you really love to do. I was trying to think of the book right now that it was, uh, oh my gosh, so amazing. But they had a whole thing that you would go through and you'd write down your career, your dream career. And every day though, you had a notebook and you would, one side would be what you'd like to do that day. What What gave you energy? What gave you the feeling that you were so excited to do it again? And you couldn't wait and then what were areas in that whole day that you had to attend a meeting or had to do a project or something like that that really did not, you know, did not give you energy at all, did not interest you at all, you were so bored, you could not it took forever to get through because you that's how much you did not enjoy doing it. And really trying to find fine tune that so you can create not only your own career and your your own life though every day because it's sad that, you know, half the people don't love what they do or find joy in it. And that is like half your life or more than half your life now, because we're going to live a long time. Right. (laughs) And so I think, you know, trying to find those passions that really fuel your soul and that you really want to make a difference with that can make you feel like, you know, you're living it.
0: Hey everybody. We're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, Dueling Axes. If you've been following the show, we actually had Jess and Paul from Dueling Axes on all the way back at episode 189 so go check it out if you haven't yet but they're coming up on the two-year anniversary of the company and they're giving away some big deals to celebrate if you stop in on the 17th 18th or 19th of this month that's this coming weekend uh, you can get $10 off per person on a one-hour reservation or $15 off per person on a two-hour reservation a couple things to note here their team is taking safety seriously sanitizing every lane before you set foot into it and making sure there's at least a lane of space between you and any other parties there. It's also BYOB and outside food friendly, so you can enjoy your time there, but also know exactly where your food has been. So if you're looking for a good time and the chance to toss around some axes, you can learn more about the event and other deals they have going on this summer at www.theduelingaxes.com forward slash coupon. That's www.theduelingaxes.com forward slash coupon. All right, let's get back to the interview.
1: You know, one of the things yeah. we skipped over to, we didn't talk about um, the other brands that you guys have kind of branched yeah. out and developed. So when you look at the barbershop and the yoga studio, where did those come about and how uh, are those growing? Where do you see them turning into?
2: Yeah, I just love them. I do. I love the yoga studio was a passion of mine and I love the yoga industry for the most part. You know, recent, I mean, this week, things have just gone crazy. <laughs> so before this week, our industry in yoga was so open and so loving and so accepting and non-competitive. I loved it. Our yoga studio, my luminaries that teach with us, they teach at all studios and we support everybody. I love that. They they live in abundance. And when I started taking yoga and doing classes, that's what I wanted to live, you know, in that vein and in that light of, there's so much for everybody here. Let's share and let's support everybody. We're 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 all together in this community. Um, so it was a uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago, I opened Lit. And uh, we had a space behind the barbershop that was for rent when we were doing the barbershop. So for a year we bi- we were building the Royal Rhino Club barbershop, and that was a passion of my husband's. He loves barbers, he just loves that industry and always has, and it's just such a creative that old world craft was coming back and Um, and so we wanted to kind of venture out into this barbershop world and it seemed like a natural fit since, you know, cosmetology and barbering are kind of the same now. They're in the same board and you can have cosmetologists and barbers work together in the same, um, barbershop. So, uh, and we wanted to try a small, unique startup brand again. You know, we wanted to make it be like Penzone in 1969, you know, when there's $500 and two people. And so that was a great opportunity. And within that opportunity, we I found the space behind there that was just magical. The brick was 100, 100 years old. And it just had this, and, and you know, Chuck said, you love yoga. Why don't you do a yoga studio? And right after he said that, I'm like, oh, my God, this would just be a great thing to give the community. And I wanted to have a place where people would feel Safe and taken care of, and could explore this whole thing that I think saved my life learning, you know, learning all these techniques of meditation, mindfulness, how to de stress. Um, you know, I wanted to share that aromatherapy, all the different things that we do. So, um, so it was an amazing opportunity. It wasn't, you know, it was kind of cool because it was kind of like a startup, and you know, it was. I did my Deborah Penzone LLC, so that was real important for me. I wanted my money and my name and it to be all. Like I had to start it from that. And I was very fortunate. We worked with the Wonder Jam, Allie and Adam to help do it because I twisted her arm because I am a small business because this is my little business. I've never done my own LLC. And because she really, that's where they specialize as small startup businesses. And I had no, we had no brand name. We had like everything had to come from that grassroots of trying to develop a brand. So um, just- You know, those two brands, I I think I could definitely see growing. Like our goal is to have three rhino clubs and see where it goes from there. So with with the, and especially with the lit. So when you get it, if you get to three, then you can start adding more. But I love the, we love the boutique. We love the smallness. We love their, their vibe is a hundred percent what we want to, if we did another one, we want them to all, all three of them, if we did three rhino clubs or three lits we want that entire vibe to be there that's there. And we've used both of them to come back into our Penzone brand, which has been really cool. So the barbers, Derek and Kyle, they come up and teach the hairdressers how to do some really cool clipper cuts and stuff like that, which is, it's been kind of a cool relationship to have because, you know, the the guys, it's all, you look at you guys. I mean, it's all about, you know, really cool, you know, cuts now and, and having that, personality that you can do with your hair for guys, you know, and then the beards and the mustaches and all that. So that's been just such a great like marriage for that. And then for the yoga studio, we're bringing people up to our company, Penzone, and even our customers to teach about meditation. Uh, We did a couple mindfulness and learning how to de-stress throughout COVID. I did a couple sound baths, some yoga nidra, which is a thing that you do at night to like relax your body to get ready to to go to sleep. Those techniques I think I just want to we wanna continue to use because I think from now moving forward, we need that in our in our community. How do you connect to de-stress and anxiety and, and just that awareness of how you're feeling? So those two brands I'm just so proud of because they are so unique and just really taken us to another place too. Well,
0: Debbie, uh, you know, our last question in the show, I think it's a good place to uh, jump in here is centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose yeah. that particular phrase, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career?
2: God, I think what I'm going through right now, Do you know, facing, um, not putting your head in the sand, being able to face things boldly and being okay with it and saying, I don't know everything we didn't win all those awards just to be like, we know everything or we're like number one or whatever. You know I mean? I think it's really just being real and raw and authentic and walking in that and being okay with that. But that definitely uncomfortable for this whole 2020. But I think it is really truly empowering to be uncomfortable because then you start to listen and you start to open yourself up to hear other people or other perspectives. And I think 2020 is going to do that for our community and our world, hopefully, because that's what we need right now.
0: Well said, Debbie, let's hope so. Thanks so much for uh, joining us on the show and and sharing your story here on Conqueror and Columbus. Thank you. And Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. We will talk to you next week.